Our scripture reading today is from Mark, the fifth chapter, verses 25 through 34. I'll be reading from the New King James Revision, and in your pew Bibles, it uh, is page 887. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. It's a great encouragement to us uh, that you're here, and we hope that we can encourage you. Uh, keep in mind, everybody, that next Sunday is Missions Emphasis Day. It is always a tremendous day, and it is a day that not only do we think of the opportunities that we have, but also especially this year, we want to think about the opportunities not only that we have to spread the gospel, but that we also have to encourage those that are spreading the gospel. In some of your adult Bible classes this morning, there were sheets passed around for you to sign up for ways you could help put together a care package by next week. In other words, you see an item and you say, I'd like to bring that, or it's a note, I'd like to write that note, and you simply bring it back to your Bible class uh, next Sunday morning, and then we will take those care packages and ship them off to our missionaries to let them know how much we love them and appreciate them. The ladies' class, we thought that the list would make it around here and make it to the ladies' class. It did not make it there, but there are several needs of notes to be written. So if any of you would do that for next week. And by the way, if you don't speak Spanish, we can translate those notes before they go. Uh, but the table in the foyer, just behind the cry room there, has those uh, sheets there. Please be thinking of a way that you could encourage, and especially if you would write a missionary, let them know who you are. Enclose a photograph of your family. They love to see fellow Christians in, in other parts of the world, and simply let them know you're praying for them and you want to encourage them. And that'd be a great way that we hopefully can make a difference by edifying a missionary to continue the good work of spreading the gospel. What are you worth? If you had to get out a piece of paper right now and write an answer, what would your answer be? What are you worth? Some of you have probably thought of a figure. You see, your mind maybe thinks in a financial aspect and you relate your worth to 
a financial statement and what it would reflect of your worth. Others of you may think in terms of handicaps and limitations. So many times we'll hear someone say, you know, I'm just not worth much anymore. I used to be strong and be able to go all day and just never was sick, and now for the last several months or the last several years, I'm just not worth much. I just can't really get out and about and, and do hardly anything. Others reflect upon challenges in their life. You see, since I was a youth, this was always a burden in my life, and I'm really not worth much in the Lord's service because... I always have that challenge. I always have that burden. Friends, this morning, the purpose of this sermon, I think, is of great importance. The simplicity of this sermon is very much so simple. Our worth isn't found in financial numbers. And our worth is not found in limitations. Our worth is not found in burdens or challenges. Listen real carefully. Our worth is found in the fact that God created us in His own image. Genesis 1. Our worth is found in the fact that we've been bought by the blood of Christ. John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world, including you, that He gave His only begotten Son. whenever we begin to associate our worth with limitations or with other things, we begin to have impaired judgments. We make decisions that just are not right. I know this sounds elementary, but for a moment, let's define impaired judgments. So let's look at each of those words. First, let's look at the word impaired. It means to diminish, damaged, weakened, function poorly or incompetently. And so we say, okay, it is a weakness. It's not living up to potential. But what is it if it's associated with judgment? Judgment is a capacity to assess situations or circumstances and draw sound conclusion, good sense. Think how terrible it is if we do not have the proper or the ability to make proper decisions. And someone will say, well, what would hinder me from making proper decisions? Well, let's think for a moment. We are very accustomed to hearing the word impaired used and even impaired judgment as it's used uh, to drunk driving. And we read articles, we read tracts that give out uh, information trying to encourage people not to drive while under the influence. And it will talk about how alcohol will impair your judgment. In other words, you'll be driving faster, statistics say, than what you believe you're actually driving. Your reaction time is much slower than what you actually think your reaction time is. All of these things impair our judgment. In other words, the driver that is driving under the influence believes that reality is one way and the truth is it's dangerously another way. Well, how does that relate to today's topic? What if you and I are making decisions that's affecting our soul and the reason we're making those decisions is because we've impaired our judgment because we have linked our value to limitations, to finances, to challenges, and etc. This morning, we've just had so capably read for us a wonderful text there's not a lot of detail about this woman beforehand and afterwards. But she seems to be the kind of woman that was struggling with a terrible thing and she refused to be stopped. She wouldn't allow her worth. 
She wouldn't allow her decisions to be impaired. She would not allow her worth or the challenge of her physical limitations to be associated with her worth. Let's develop this for just a few moments in the story and come back and think about the limitations. When we look in Mark, the fifth chapter, we just had read for us 24 and 25 and 26. I want to briefly read 25 and 26 again. Mark, the fifth chapter. Notice I said in 25 and 26, Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but was worse. Have you ever been sick for a few days? How many of us would say, oh, I I tell you, a few years ago, I had the the worst sickness. I was sick for 12 days, 12 weeks, 12 months. You imagine being sick for 12 years. With an issue of blood, we see that her health issues must have been very challenging. As we just try to guess what her challenges would be, Notice these things on this next screen. With this 12 years of the issue of blood, there's no doubt that that would have left her very weak, dizzy at times. Think also how discouraging it is that it said that she went to many doctors and she even spent all that she had, but each time she grew worse. You see, for the issue of blood, it's been said that in her day and time there were as many as 12 different remedies of course, none of them were, were remedies. Many of them were very superstitious uh, kind of remedies. Many of them were very uncomfortable. Many of them were very embarrassing. Can you imagine going year after year and trying to be made well, spending all of the money that you have, and coming home every time to find out it's just getting worse, it's just getting worse, just getting worse, and I have no more money. You see, with it being an issue of blood, no doubt it would have caused a lot of inconvenience of just day-to-day life. How far would she travel from home knowing that she would have the issue of blood? How would she deal in society? You see, that brings about a whole other consideration. If she was following the old law, let's read together Leviticus, the 15th chapter. Leviticus, the 15th chapter, the entire chapter is a chapter about bodily discharge and what men and women would have to observe if they were going to follow the old law. And so we pick up in verse 19, if it was a normal situation, if the woman were not sick, And then we pick up in 25 with what happens if it is a sickness. And so here we're reading in 25, If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than that of the time of her customary impurity, and if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Now let this settle into your mind to see how this affects you as we go to this next slide. You see, this would affect her in ways. And as you can look at the slide there, I want to just go back and scan some things coming out of 19, 20, 21, 22 and following that's going to affect this lady. Still here in Leviticus, the the, uh, 15th chapter. 
She shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies upon during her impurity shall be unclean. 21. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. 22. Whoever touches anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. 23. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean even to evening. 24. If a man lies with her at all, so that her impurity is on him. He's unclean for seven days. Skipping over to the 18th chapter in verse 19, also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. You get the picture here of not only is this a sickness where today we say, well, this was a health issue. This was an issue that was affecting everything about her life. She had to live a life of isolation even from her very own family. She was not accepted in public places and in public worship. She was not accepted in the marketplace to hug people and to touch people and to be involved in other people's lives. If she had a husband, she was not even allowed to touch her husband in their own bed. Would you say she had limits? If you would have walked up to that lady and said, what are you worth? You think she might have given an answer like this? Well, I'm not worth very much. The last 12 years have really been hard. I really can't do anything in God's service much anymore. I really can't contribute to my family the way I'd like to. I'm not worth much. Friends, our value is not found in our limitations. I beg you this morning to realize if you and I are concentrating on our limitations, we're the only one along with Satan because God isn't. God isn't valuing you this morning because of the things you can't do. He's valuing you because of the image. You're made after His own the soul that's breathed into you. The price that purchased you, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where we find our worth. But you know a second part of this story that's just most interesting? Let's go back to our text in Mark, the fifth chapter. A second thing that is so interesting is that really this is a story in a story. Now, do you have a friend, or maybe you are that individual that tends to talk stories in stories? You know what I'm talking about? You know how you're talking to somebody and, and every time they tell a story, they'll get part of the way through the story and, and in their story, somebody else walks into the scene and they say, now, now let me tell you about him. And they stop that story and they tell another story about that character that they're talking about and then eventually they get back to the other story. We've all heard stories and stories. You know, Jesus isn't telling this. This is really happening. What we're reading this morning is a story that really happened inside another story. As a matter of fact, it's even recorded that way. The other story started, this one interrupted it, and then the other story finishes it. You probably remember hearing about the story of Jairus and his daughter that was dying. At the beginning of this story, she's only dying. Then we have the interruption, and then after the interruption, we have the death of her. But let's go back just to make sure that we remember this, and let's begin reading the 21st chapter of Mark the 5th. Chapter, and let's see this first story. Not first because of importance, first because of order. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again my boat, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, 
Now let this play out in your mind. If you see this, this is amazing. One of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. You think that wouldn't gain some attention? We see the closing verse we read there, the multitude just surrounded him on this one. You can imagine, they already were attentive to Jesus, but when the ruler of the synagogue, a man of great influence, by the way, in the first story that we studied this morning, what was that woman's name? Oh, didn't even give her name. Now, what what about that ruler? Jarius. You see, he's a man of influence. Falling down at the feet of Jesus when a lot of other rulers in the synagogues were kicking Jesus out. They didn't want their people to have anything to do with Jesus. Wow, this is going to get a lot of attention. Instead of him turning his back on Jesus, he's falling down at Jesus' feet and he's begging him earnestly, Come, my daughter, my little daughter is at the point of death. How's this going to compare? Keep in mind, in this crowd is a woman. This woman is needing Jesus' healing. Now let's note this next screen to notice this comparison. If we were looking at this from a human standpoint, we would say, hmm, Jairus, ruler of the synagogue, a little daughter lying at the point of death. Friends, I'm not saying it ought to be this way, but the bottom line is, if you are are in a room and someone comes rushing in and says, so-and-so's at the point of death. You might not even know those people, and you kind of perk up, and you might even say, who who did you say was at the point of death? And especially when it's a child, it seems to gain even greater interest and intensity. Now here's a woman that she's come that day, no doubt wanting Jesus' attention, wanting Jesus to heal her. And now, she has to compete against the ruler of the synagogue, with a dying daughter? Or does she? You see, here's the second thing that I need to learn this morning. We don't find our worth when we stare at our limitations. And we don't find our worth when we compare ourselves to others. Because God doesn't stare at our limitations and God doesn't compare us to others. And that's the beautiful aspect about God. God values us and if you will... Look back with me to John the first, uh, to Genesis the first chapter. I, I don't have that on the screen for you, but, but look at, at Genesis the first chapter. And let's read verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. He made us in His own image. He breathed into us a breath of life. No other creature on earth has that. Dogs and cats don't have that. Men and women, boys and girls, have a soul within them that's made after the image of God. And then we compare that as we go over to James, the second chapter, and listen to these beautiful words of James, the second chapter, beginning first verse. 
My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. You hear what James is saying? You want to claim that, that you're faithful to Jesus Christ and at the same time hang on to partiality? Oh, well, after all, Jairus' daughter has to be worth so much more. Look at the influence that he has in, in his neighborhood. Jairus' daughter has to be worth so much more. Look, look at the money they have compared to this woman that she spent all of her money. She doesn't have any left. Jairus' daughter is young. We know that, that the younger are more important. Think of all of the improper ways that human beings show partiality. And James says, don't try to mix your faith in God and partiality to man in the same person. We're either faithful to God and we understand that God loves us all with no partiality. Or we become unfaithful to God. We skip down and we read verse 8 and 9. And notice how he says here in James, the second chapter. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. And so it is. We're making the wrong equation and drawing the wrong answer whenever we believe that our worth is tied to our comparison to others. You know, as long as you live, you're always going to see others that it just seems like they do more in the kingdom of heaven than you do. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying there will always be others that it seems like. You know, there will always be others that it just seems like that things are a little bit better for them in life. There will always be. Does that take away from your worth? Your purpose? Your value? Absolutely not. You see, Jesus found himself in a situation. He was on his way to look after Jairus' daughter and would eventually resurrect her from the dead. But he pauses. And he gives his attention to this woman. Because it wasn't a comparison game. She was just as valuable as anyone in that crowd that was surrounded. Even though she had to live an isolated life for 12 years. As we think about this, Let's look again at 27 and following. And as we do, I want you to think about her reaction. Notice what it says. Mark the fifth chapter, 27. When she heard about Jesus. This is the conclusion of this sermon here. What do I need to learn? If I'm concentrating on my limitations, I'm concentrating on the wrong thing. If I'm comparing myself to others... I'm comparing to the wrong thing. This woman did things right this day. What did she do right? The first thing we read out here, she heard about Jesus and she went to Him. With this in mind, 28, she said to herself, if only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Why do you think she was saying that? If only I could touch His clothes. You think it had something to do with the fact that she was unclean? I can't just go up and grab Him by the arm. I'm an unclean woman. 
Maybe I could just touch his clothes. Maybe I could reach out for the hem of the garment. Why would she want to do that? Friends, she realized that God could do for her things that she could not do for herself. And she must have believed that he would do it because she reached out for him. And immediately in 29, she was made whole. And can you imagine the joy that she felt inside when after 12 years, this disease was over? But notice how short-lived that rejoicing was. And Jesus immediately in 30, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Another gospel would tell us that Peter was the one that led this, uh, this answer when he says, You see the multitude thronging you say, Who touched me? In other words, Peter is like, How in the world can you know that one person touched you? Look at everybody that's pressing around us. He looked around to see her who had done this. And now the woman is fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You see, that's what it boils down to this morning. If you and I are going to be what we ought to be, we're going to have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. Stop staring at limitations, stop comparing, and just look at God. Is my life right with God? Can you imagine the woman as she bows down at his feet and just tells the whole story, wondering, is he going to be mad at me? Is he going to say, you know I was on my way to heal Jairus' daughter. Why are you stopping me? I wonder what all the thoughts that were rushing through her mind as she finally hears these words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, 12-step program, one of the first things the individual has to do is say, I'm an alcoholic. Or there's usually no healing. This woman had to admit, I'm sick. And I believe that he's the great physician. It may be that there's a truth that you need to admit to yourself this morning. I lie. I gossip. Still, I'm lazy. I don't read the Word of God. I don't pray. I'm not faithful to my family. I'm not faithful to my God. Is there any truth that you need to admit to God this morning? I want to tell you something. He loves you. He loves you in spite of your limitations. He loves you with no comparisons to anyone else. He just wants you, in a symbolic sense, to come and to fall at His feet and be honest. Seeking His way. Turning your life from sin and turning your life to Him. That's what faith is all about. It's stop believing in self. It's start believing in God. And it's in that faithfulness, 
that he can heal our spiritual iniquities. The great chapter of faith, Hebrews the 11th chapter. How did those individuals become so faithful? It wasn't because they concentrated on their limitations. It's because they heeded their self to the will of God. This morning, let's learn a lesson from a woman that's really a story in a story. A woman that in spite of her limitations, in spite of any comparisons that might have been done that day, she found her worth in Jesus Christ. And she dealt honestly with Him. She fell at His feet. And she left there with words that she could not have lived out in the past 12 years. Go in peace. This morning, if those words ring attractive to you, it may be because you haven't felt a peace that passes understanding lately. It may be because your conscience has been in a war. I beg you today, don't leave here until you can go in peace. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the mission of sin, submit your life to Him. Come to the great physician, confessing that He is the Son of God, and be baptized into Him. And go in peace. Maybe you have been baptized into Christ, and somewhere along the way you... You've lost the way. Sin has crept in. Faith has crept out. And you want to come back and lay your life down at the foot of the cross again. How wonderful it is. A God who loves me really in a better and more pure way than we even love ourselves. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.